Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 136 of the North Meet South web podcast. Web podcast. Sounds a bit churchy. It's been a while, man. It's been like um, three. I think we. Missed, I don't know. A couple of weeks. It's, it's probably been a month. Yeah, we missed two two episodes. It has Apologies, been. everyone. The, Michael, we're starting the slow slide into oblivion if we don't catch up on this mm. pretty quick. We're gonna follow dads and dev right <laughs> into the hole of you know right into the can of yeah. a podcast that died if we if it's, we're not careful here. We got, so this this yeah. is how it happens. This is how it starts, right? One excuse. Yeah, one excuse. Follows another, another excuse. That's right. We we moved we moved from recording on the weekends to weekdays because mm-hmm. I was working from mm-hmm. home. Uh, my kids are a bit older, so we need to kind of get them out of the house now on the weekends and do stuff. And it was just getting a bit tricky to kind of coordinate podcasting around doing stuff in the middle of the day to keep the kids occupied. So we moved it to the the weekdays because I work from home and it's and it's easy to do that on my lunch break. And then I started going into the office more because we're building the team on shore. So I'm in the office for some FaceTime with people. And so then that ended up colliding and it was like, I go in for meetings and, and training. A couple of times, like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just the last couple of weeks. And we, we almost missed it again this week. And I said to you, we can't miss three episodes. Yeah, it was row. close. Yeah. So can't, can't miss three in a row. It, and I, we're I, I fully tomorrow. blame all of it on yeah, you. 100%. We, yeah, we were going to go, that's we true. were going to record tomorrow uh but then i ended up having to go into the office tomorrow so yep scrambled here yep it's all your fault yep, yep. so we're back i blame you that's um, okay can we talk, we're, we're back this we week talk, indeed can we talk, quickly can we talk about laracon and not like mm. not like laracon us nobody nobody about cares about that uh <laughs> <laughs> who cares about laracon us everyone hey by the way life goal achieved not not oh, yeah we haven't, yeah, we haven't I mean, spoken I'm about going this. to be yeah, I get. I'm I'm a first time speaker at Laracon this mm-hmm. year, which I'm really excited about. So I'm going to be talking about the one thing that I get excited about, which is state machines, <laughs> which I'm super stoked to be talking about this the year. One, yeah, finally, it's thing, happening. The one thing that we've we've spoken about the one consistently thing. on this podcast more than anything mm-hmm. else, state, state machines. machines, finite state machines. And I said to you, so all of you folks who are coming are going to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said to you like a week ago, I'm like, I think I need to actually use a state machine now. And uh, yes. I set out to do that, and the, and the package that you recommended me to use doesn't actually work with enums, so I'm not going to use that package. Which is a big bummer. Which is so, a shame. So what that means, and that's, I was planning on doing this anyway, is um, creating my own package. I might, I don't know, I've, I might talk to Andreas Santabanez anyway, and just see if we can adapt just that package to yeah. support enums, yeah. and maybe add a couple of little pieces. There's a few outstanding um, issues. I assume yeah, because his, his package is, it's, what's that now? I, I like there's a few. Um, issues on there so i assume he's just gotten busy and hasn't hasn't had time to, to kind of deal with oh, it yeah. so. and that happens yeah he's a champ I actually i've I got a couple other uh projects that you've used a package of his called uh laravel subscribable notifications which is nice and um we were upgrading to laravel 10 the other day and needed to upgrade his package to use laravel 10 he's like here just here you're you're an admin now like you have right access to this just go update it yourself yeah. Because Jason Mercury had had uh, submitted a pull request for it already for Laravel Shift, and so just like updated some tests, merged it, and I was like, "Sweet, thanks, Andreas." So yeah, I think he is probably pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I hijacked that. Speaking of uh, Laracon, go ahead. It's back. You, it's back, baby. Laracon AU. It's back. Finally, finally. I mean, sort of. 
Ray, Ray's been telling me off about this. In Perth. That, yeah. You guys are meeting uh, in Perth yeah, this totally. year. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, back in Sydney again this year. No. Nope. <laughs> um, Ray, Ray keeps telling me off. She's like, people need to know. You know, they need to plan travel and people are coming from like overseas. They're, they're, you know, you got to plan these things in advance because I haven't actually published the specific dates yet. And it's just, it's just a timing thing. Like I wanted to get the announcement out just to kind of get everyone to like know that it's coming and it's happening in November. So we've said it's November of this year that it's happening. And there's just a few things that I need to get sorted out. And then when the website goes live in a couple of weeks, hopefully when we open the CFP for speakers and things like that, then we'll have the dates up there. So um, we're just a couple of weeks away, uh, just fielding some, some sponsors at the moment as well. The last couple of times that was kind of like the, the tricky thing because all of the companies that I know, you know, the companies like the big companies that, that, that tend to show up and sponsor Laracon US, Laracon EU, they don't really have a geographic presence in Australia. So it's hard to kind of reach out to them and it's, and okay. it's kind of, it's hard yeah. to find, or it had been hard to find businesses here, you know, in APAC, Australia, Pacific, New Zealand, you know, Southeast Asia, that kind of stuff that were willing to sponsor the conference. Because it's kind of like, it's a difficult thing to kind of justify the ROI for. You know what? It's like for me, if you can sell them on the thing that everybody needs right now is the thing everybody, they need developers. Right. Yeah. Right. And so having your name out there in front of the top Laravel developers in the region mm-hmm is going to help when you go to hire them. Like, oh yeah, name recognition. I know who that is, right? That's kind of the angle I might take on yeah. it. Because that's... And that's the kind of thing I've been kind of saying to people that have asked. It's like, you know, it's not, don't don't come and sell your product. It's not that audience. Because right. the, the, the companies that I've spoken to have kind of, they conferences for them are a kind of thing that you go to as a networking event, more so than a tech technology kind of thing, which is what, you know, we as developers, we go to Laracon for that kind of stuff. So it's more of a, as you say, brand recognition, you know, if you need to hire people and, and even like for client work, you know, the word of mouth gets around. You, I, I explained this to someone the other day. Let me see if I can find the, the exact words I used um, when I when I was, I was talking I can them. fill in for a second while you look that up. The, yeah, other, yeah, the only other it. thing I could think of that you could do with some sponsors is you could say something like... Um, I guess if it's like somebody from the U.S. who always wanted to go to Australia but never had a good reason to, mm-hmm. and now they have a business expense they can write off, so they yeah. can say like, "Oh yeah, we're sponsoring the you know we're sponsoring the thing," yeah. and then they get over there and you know. Yeah, I think whatever. kind of the, the the crux of it that I got to is like it's more of putting yourself like investing in your own people. Uh, if you're going to sponsor mm. it, you know, you're going to invest in your own people. You're going to improve the quality of the people. You know, if you if you're looking for developers, especially the people, the the kinds of developers that are going to go to Laracon are the people that are trying to stay on top of their game. Right? Yeah. They're going to try and yeah. be up to date with the latest technologies. They're going to want to know about the, you know, how things work. They want to engage with other people, right? So if those are the kinds of developers that you want working in your business, you know, you're going to get better people, especially for agency type work. If you get better people, the quality of your work is going to go up, which means you get happier clients for the work that you are producing, which means you get the word of mouth from those people. Um, which means that word of mouth spreads, you get more clients, you get more money, everyone's happy. And that's that's at the end of the day, like everyone's out there to, to make more money. Doesn't matter what anyone says. And so that was a, a long way around saying like last time we had quite a bit of, I wouldn't say trouble, like we, we got enough sponsors to, to make the conference happen. Um, but it was a bit, you know, clawing and screaming kind of thing to to find like who do we go to. With This time it's been a little bit more, I think, 
because it's been four years since the last one. And a lot of people have been like growing in isolation, like as developers. Yeah, sure. Now the opportunity after four years, everyone's like, I want to get out yeah. there. The businesses are like, we mm-hmm. want to support this. We want to, you know, and, and so it's been really good from that perspective. So I'm, I'm really energized by the amount of, you know, people that have actually contacted me. Even even like late last year, I had a couple of people reach out to me in like August, July, the like hey, uh, July, August, September. Yeah, right. are we do, yeah, are we doing Laracon again? So it's it's just like having those people in the back of my mind, and then contacting them the ne- now, um, and seeing that they're still interested. So yeah, excited. What to... if you could get like the uh, local Lamborghini dealership to sponsor or something? Yeah, I think so. I think they they're right. about ready now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> me with all those PHP developers buying those Lambos. Yeah. So um. Yeah, long story short, uh, we we have officially announced it um, that that it is happening. You know, we, we kind of I've been teasing it for the last couple of months, but this is the official like we're happening. Where venues booked, the dates are locked, a couple of sponsors are locked away. So I've had some the branding early is, talks. The branding has been launched. It looks really nice. Yep, yep, branding's done. Um, I've had some early conversations with a few speakers. Um, so you know, keen keen to get that ball rolling and fill out the schedule. Um, if you've been to Laracon AU before, it's going to be a very similar thing, you know, same place, um, same kind of activities and, you know, after party and things like that will be fairly similar because they work. They're, you know, I don't want to break what is not broken um, or I don't want to change what ain't broken. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and, you know, we're, we've, we're in a good spot to kind of fill out the venue, I think. And, you know, we might even expand a little bit this year, so... Very excited to, to kind of get that out in the open and, and get the ball rolling and, and start talking more about that in, in the coming weeks. Um, Very cool. So yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Stoked yeah, for thanks. you. It's mm-hmm. kind of, I, mm-hmm. I had to, I, I posted in the in the Laravel News Telegram, like the, the four of us or whatever that are in there. I'm like, hold me to this. I have to launch this website on Monday because I'd kind of been like <laughs> procrastinating. And I don't know why yeah, sure. the website was done and it was just... It was the whole, like, I've got to make sure I get all of the subscribers from last time. And and because it's been four years, you know, people change jobs. Yeah, um, absolutely. They're, they're all, they were developers, they're now managers, or they've gone to different businesses. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to email everyone from last time. And I'm going to tell yeah. them, like, you have to opt in to hear about this time. If you don't go and opt in, I'm not going to tell you any more about it. Right, right. So, Makes sense. You know, and, and I think people appreciated that. I had a few people, you know, reach out and say, you know, thank you. Obviously, they were keen. It was just a matter of, having that heads up i'm not spam- spamming you out of the blue or anything like that so yeah early early signs are positive it's what april mid-april so we've got what may june july august september october so seven months to, to kind of get everything sorted out um hopefully it's it's fairly smooth i think the biggest thing is Super just gonna cool. be like accommodation and travel um ah uh, yeah yeah that. it's yep. it's like <laughs> it's quite a bit more expensive, expensive than it was four years ago yeah so for sure but we'll we'll get there you know that's a big part of the role of the sponsors, you know, is to to kind of facilitate that so that we get, you know, really good high quality speakers um, from Australia and abroad, make sure that, you know, they're not out of pocket or, you know, inconvenienced by, by traveling, especially ones that are coming from overseas. You know, it's a, it's a long way to travel um, and you want them to be comfortable when they're here and, and things like that. So, um, and then we want to put a, put on a good show, show for the community, you know, people come to, I mean, I know, I know we say that the talks, a kind of a background to the the networking of the event but you know people come to see good talks whether in person or, or watching the videos after the fact 
Um, so we want to make sure that that, and then the whole conference experience, you know, from, you know, conference t-shirts to the after parties to just the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So looking forward. Indeed. Looking forward I'm trying to, to figure out what we got. Uh, sorry. Yes. We, we, um, the, the accommodations and the flight thing is, uh, is tricky. I'm trying to figure out right now for Laracon US, if I'm going to fly or drive, it's like six hours away. So it's like right on the edge. Yeah. Of like, do you actually save any time flying or well, do you yeah. just drive? Because well, it's like so two hours time? at the airport. Yeah. Uh, it's probably, I mean, the flight time isn't that long. Um, yeah. But there's no direct flights from where I'm at to Tennessee mm. or to Nashville. So it's like I'd have to drive to Chicago, which is like two hours. Then I have to yeah, be there an times. hour early. So it's three hours. Then I have to get on the flight, which is a four and a half. And then I had to get there. And it's like by the time I get out, get a rental car, I've saved an hour. I mean, it's like, eh. Is not like, really. Yeah. It's so yeah. It's sort of like I'll just drive and have a car, so I don't have to have a rental, and then I'll just get mileage or something. I don't know. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, that's where I'm at on that one. Uh, but yeah, dude, that's super exciting. I'm, um, yeah, I'm super excited for you guys. Glad that you're able to do it again this year, and looking forward to see what sort of speakers you're going to have lined up. Um, mm. You guys got some good folks over there in the AU yeah, and we, the NZ. We've, we've we've found some great great speakers the last couple of times, so I'm hoping to to bolster that as well that's always like for me putting on the event is a, like gives me a big sense of achievement you know bringing bringing the event to australia but then you know to give people the opportunity who can't travel to europe or, or india or the us the opportunity to experience you know what laracon is but also in terms of giving people the opportunity to speak and and you know giving them putting them in a position to have, you know, really exciting opportunities. We had, you know, Tim and Jess speak at Laracon last time and, you know, they're, they're now both out there, you know, I, I won't take credit for it, but, you know, put themselves that they were in the, put themselves in the position to then use that as a launching board to, you know, now they're both working for Laravel. They're doing amazing stuff, you know, content they're putting out, the, the work that they're doing, you know, it's just, like that, that gives me the warm and fuzzies just to give people the opportunity or to put them in a position to, to have those opportunities, which is always very exciting for me. So hoping, hoping to do that again this year. Very cool. How's, how's your talk prep going? Oh, it's going, I've been doing, I've been gathering a lot of like research materials. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have like my general understanding on the research that I've done previously but up to this point, I've got like a Notion document that's got all of my different links to all of my different places for things that I've found that are like, oh, this is a really good way of explaining this actually. And oh, this is a really good resource for like kind of stepping through. So I'm gathering all my materials, uh, just kind of getting the raw pieces. And then yeah. I need to start mm-hmm. refining down to like what, uh, you know, what are the actual things I want to say. But the actual, the, the part of um, what I wanted to talk about tonight is, you know, I'm looking for examples too. Mm-hmm. There's like really contrived examples um, that you can come up with like like a blog post, right? Like you have a draft state and then you have a, a approved state and then you have a published state. Then you have like a archived state and then all that stuff, right? Yeah. But I find much more interesting like real world examples like um, what, what, you're, what you probably have. And then I also have another one that I could share where it's like I have these different assignments, these legal assignments where we send out a case to an attorney. And it's, um, you know, it goes from awaiting documents 
to documents, awaiting documents. And then once the documents get added, then it goes to sent, awaiting response. And then from awaiting response, it can go to accepted, rejected, or expired. And then after it goes from accepted or rejected or expired, it can go to accepted, rejected, archived. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like all the states and substates and all this stuff. So you've got all these different things and you you need to display differently based on what state it's in and you need to react differently based on what state it's in after a certain period of time. Like there's, you know, basically time boxes on these things. Like it can only live in a awaiting response state for 14 days before it needs to mm-hmm. go to expired. Um, and then after, uh, that, then you can send another, you can send it to somebody else or it stays in accepted for, I think like 180 days, uh, because they should be able to see all the documents for that case for 180 days. But after that, it should go to accepted expired. Um, Mm -hmm. if it's rejected, it should show on their dashboard for 60 days and then it should go to archived as well. So then they have rejected archive. So, you know, that sort of stuff, those are complicated and that gets complicated real quick. And those are the sorts of real life things that I've struggled with that the state machines would help so much with. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'm interested to hear what your example was and, and we could talk a little bit more kind of about what state machines are, I suppose, there's and there's multiple i mean it's difficult because as i'm reading about this i'm learning more and more right so what we've typically talked about on here is like a finite state machine where you have a a thing that can only be in one state at a time Mm -hmm. which is true but like the example that i gave just just a second ago that's sort of like a uh it's a it's has two different states that are running in parallel right Mm -hmm. yeah it's like a compound state exactly so I don't want to get too far in the weeds uh, with that. I would rather yeah, that, hear kind of the example that you have. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and as we as I do more prep and stuff, as I kind of get more clarity on what exactly I want to say, I'll probably share some of that on the on the show as we get closer. But um, I'm curious to hear what your example is uh, for where yeah. you're using a state machine or hoping to use a state machine. Yeah, I'll talk because it's fresh, and I just kind of finished implementing the first the first part of it. Essentially, what we do, if you do you do this like you know have this notion of know your customer. Where, know your customer? Know your customer, yeah. Um, mm, so it's basically... I mean, maybe, I don't know. Because we, you know, we do um, lending, right? Um, sure, loan, sure. Uh, asset finance loans and things like that. So know your customer is the notion where f- for commercial entities, for businesses, we would go and we would look at the organizational structure. You know, so there's like a company, but then it's like it's got directors and, and you know, beneficial owners and things like that. So we want to look at like the role tree and figure out who... Who's responsible for that business? And at the moment, you know, our users of our platform will come in and they'll put the company name and then they'll put the, they'll do this manually. But we have tooling available to us where we can go and like look that up. But it's a process that goes through some different, different vendors to provide different information. So we've got like an Australian. You basically have like publicly available org charts or something. Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, for 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 liable parties, I suppose. Is the, the dis- okay, so, so only like, certain people can look it up. But right, yeah. yeah. It's only directors of the business, people that are like financially liable for that business, essentially. Okay. Um, and they have to so, do this when they register their business in Australia sort of deal? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So we've got a couple of different places. There's the Australian Securities um, Registry, like ASIC. Uh, there's the Australian Business Register. So we can go and look all this information up. But this process takes time. You know, we, we send the request and we have to like check, is it going? So we create the record in the database, it's in a pending status until it starts, okay? So we, we create the record and then something is responsible for coming and going. Are there any pending ones that I need to kick off? Uh-huh, sure. And then, 
Pfizer job, off it goes. Now it's in progress. So the status change is the in progress and it can be so like in progress. progress. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these requests will come back within like a minute. So we like go and check the status. Is it complete? If it's not complete, dispatch the job again for 15 seconds. You know, make sure the status is in progress. After a period of oh, time. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on. Can you, I want to just pause for a quick second. So it goes from pending, you send it mm-hmm. and it's in progress. Yep. What would you expect to get back when it's like when it's in progress well, we, what's the next so, what is it doing so we check so the status so we're just polling at this point right so once we okay. mark it as as the request is in progress we poll and it will uh-huh, come back sure. saying it's incomplete when we do that poll like it'll come back with an error and you're, saying you're pulling the fetching. asic or whatever it is you're talking about yeah so like we're you're talking from, to them saying are you ready yeah, is, turn, it ready? Yeah, is it ready is it ready have you got a response yep so we're basically waiting for a 200 from them no it's not ready wait another 15 seconds you know dispatch the job for 15 seconds try again so you queue a job, delay 15 seconds. Yep. You know, if it comes back failure, delay 15 seconds and requeue. Yep. Sort of thing. Okay. Now, eventually we'll get either like it's finished and it's complete. We mark the job complete, done. Don't do not do it again. All this process could go, you know, we've got a timeout of five minutes. If, if it gets to five minutes, we just mark it as expired, right? Because it didn't mm-hmm. fail. It didn't tell us that it couldn't do it. It's just that within what we consider to be an acceptable window of time, do not respond with the information we need. So we mark it as expired. So that's that's kind of like it's a very simple um, life cycle, but it's uh, it's a real use case that we have, and it's just because then we have in our in our application the UI can poll to see the status of that request. Sure. Um, yeah. And it goes, you know, is it ready? Because then once we get that information, the user has the option to like create an uh, a finance application from that data, and then rather than them going in there and and entering everything themselves, we will take that data that they've got, create the application, go from there. Um, so that's, you know, it's it's like three statuses, four. Um, there is a failed status, which I don't think I've, it's not documented in in the APIs that we're using. Of yeah, like, how would you get to that status? Just failed. Like, I don't know how to test it. I assume we'll get there at some point. We'll write the test for it later. But, you know, it can move to failed. Um, and that's, you know, maybe there was a failure in the lookup. Maybe you know, the, the business number we're looking at doesn't exist or something. So I haven't actually seen a failure scenario yet, but, you know, that's what logging's for and bug mm-hmm. tracking software. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's um it's only been an interesting piece of work. And just around that, you know, outside of the state machine, playing with Saloon, playing with, you know, dispatch jobs, building. I, I tweeted this yesterday, like, just as I rolled to bed because I was excited. I was jazzed that I got to write, like, Laravel 9, so Real it's like not, not the current version of Laravel, right? But it's modern by my standards. Yeah, sure. I got to use PHP 8.1. Well, Laravel, Laravel 9 is dang 9. modern, dude. I mean, it's right there, yeah. We're not um, even up to Laravel 10 except for on like maybe two applications. And Laravel 10 is introducing all the typing stuff, which is fine, but I've had a couple applications blow up on me because I didn't have a <laughs> properly typed. Yeah. Like I had a controller that was uh, type hinting that it was going to return a view and it returned a redirect response. 500. Like, yeah. Crap, what yeah. the heck? Oh yeah, yeah. So I just—I literally it's, was like, remove the type and this in yeah. this controller. Don't care. That's that's uh, that's Lara Stan's wheelhouse. I think the types—the thing that has bothered me has been like type contravariance, where where the parent, like when you're extending from something, and the parent doesn't define a type on the method signature, but you have. So if you're extending from Laravel, and its method signature says like dollar request with no type hint and 
something, right? There's no type in. But if you type that, then static analysis gets very angry at you and says, no, you can't do this because these method signatures are not compatible with each other, which which is a bit annoying. But you fix those things. As you, well, that's the gist of it. I always get covariance and contravariance mixed up. One way you can do it, one way you can't do it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a thing. In, and PHP 8.1 yells at you about it um, quite a lot. So, Gotcha. But I wanted to... Oh, yeah, so but... I was just... I tweeted. Oh. I was just excited. Like, yeah, I got sure. to use vanilla Laravel. I got to use a modern version of PHP. I got to use... And, like, PHP 8's modern, but 8.1, you know, we're talking... And even 8.1's out of active support. Now we're on 8.2. Um, I got to use, you know, just models and controllers and migrations and eloquent resources and form requests and model policies. Like, just sticking within the lines, you know, coloring within the, in the Laravel-shaped lines. And it's just... It's fun to do and it's very productive because I got this entire integration essentially built in a couple of hours where had we been using the JSON API package that we've been using for everything else, it would have been a matter of figuring out like how do I shoehorn all of this into that shape? Whereas Laravel kind of gives me the guardrails. So everything kind of looks the same, but it's like everything has its place and everything is is really nice. So I tweeted that just before I went to bed, I rolled over and as I rolled over and closed my eyes, I'm like, in the context of like the mess that's been going on in the last week with, I won't name them, but they were, they were talking about how they're using Laravel, but without using the framework, you know, they're just using it for routing and, and using like repositories and all of these architectural concepts. They use Slim. Just, yeah. Just, I mean, that's, oh, but I might use this other stuff later. It's like, well, just like how, I think the argument is always to decouple from the framework because you might change from the framework. But if you're going to change from the framework, you're probably not going to take any of the code with you when you do that. Because I know Mohammed Saeed's been on this um, lately. You know, people people are not going from like PHP and Laravel to PHP and Symfony. People are going from PHP and Laravel to Go, you know, or Node Rust and TypeScript, or, you know I mean? or they're going, yeah. yeah, or they're going to go. You know, that that's that's the more realistic thing if you're talking about you know scaling and operation, and and you know, rewriting stuff. There there is no you're not porting your PHP code, so the the fact that you're tied to a framework is not the issue. Um, so yeah, but speaking of modern PHP, our test suite we've talked about this before. Our test suite is horrendously slow, and. On my machine, right, my M2 Mac, MacBook Pro, the full test suite of about 6,000 tests runs for 40 minutes and takes about 5 gig of RAM. Now, I did the Laravel. So we're on Laravel 9 and PHP 8.1 in production now. And the other day I did the Laravel 10 shift. Did the Laravel 10 shift and nothing else, right? I got Laravel 10 working, still on PHP 8.1 ran a subset of the test. I'm like, I've changed some behavior here. Like we had to change some stuff um, just to be compatible with Laravel 10. And so I'm like, I'm going to run this subset of tests. It was about 1800 tests or 18. Yeah. 1800 tests. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to run this. And I'm like, this is still slow. Let me just test. Like, and I tested on the Laravel 10 branch and I'm like, this feels faster. And so I'm running master and, and the Laravel 10 shift branch side by side. The Laravel 10 branch finished in 55 seconds, used 400 meg of RAM. The, the branch running on Laravel 9, PHP 8.1, took five minutes to run and used no way. four gig of RAM. 
That's crazy. Now, question. Did you do like parallel on the other one or no? Just literally straight up PHP unit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So the Are full test suite. No. This is just PHP unit no. okay. 9. Like, so the Sweet. only thing that we changed was upgrading to Laravel 10. So, so nice. in the release of Laravel 10, someone, one of those magnificent people, has found whatever that issue was that has plagued me Some since Laravel 6 and they have fixed it. Because I thought, you know, upgrading to PHP would fix it. No, it didn't really do anything. I thought upgrading Laravel would fix it. No, it didn't really do anything for me up to Laravel 9. I'll try a new version of PHP unit. Maybe they fix it. No, nothing happened. Their Symfony, you know, there was some stuff in Symfony. No, that didn't really fix it. Whatever it was in Laravel 10, that's magic. It's, it's, it's just fixed. It's fixed. So my, my full test suite now runs in 15 minutes, uses like that's awesome. gig of, or uses like 400 meg of RAM or something like that. Like it's a huge, that's huge incredible. improvement just, just from getting yeah, to Laravel yeah. 10. And so it's kind of, got me really excited to to go and really make uh, parallel testing work because we've had lots of issues with it because parallel testing works if you're on one database connection but because we switch and we do some stuff between like a a landlord database and and multi-tenanted databases the connection switching wreaks havoc with it so there's some stuff that i haven't quite figured out in all scenarios yet so i think what we're going to do is we're just going to say like we're going to use parallel testing and we're just going to do like we'll add a group annotation to our test for anything that we find that does work and we'll just be like okay this can be for parallel testing or, or we'll exclude things right because like huge chunks of our test suite work fine with parallel it's just every now and then there's some random thing that doesn't work so if we can selectively exclude tests or selectively include tests depending on which way is is better like that test suite is going to fly that's super cool so yeah, yeah upgrade, upgrade your apps. Nothing, nothing feels better than running your tests and it just being like, boop, done. Like, oh, that's awesome. It's Especially so nice. when it's been so slow for so long. And like I said to Taylor, you know, it's it's nice to know that after a year and a half of having these slow tests that it wasn't actually my test suites that were the, <laughs> the problem. Yeah, that is nice to know actually, right? I mean, because it's like you chased the thing for a while. Um, mm. Yeah. Several times Probably in different new directions. Probably knew no. The yeah. testing man over there. Hey, real quick, the only thing I was going to say also about state machines real fast was this idea that like when you have those different states, you know, one of the things that if you if you look at that, I know for me, before I figured out what a state machine was, it was always like, yeah, I know it's in that status, but I don't really trust it because I don't know how it got there. I'm not sure what happened to get it to that spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, was some rogue process setting that value there? Is there some other developer who wrote some code that was changing the status sort of willy-nilly? Like, you know, that status is just a text column and that's it. Like, that's all there mm-hmm. is around it, you know? And so what a state machine essentially does is it adds some guardrails, if you will, around how you are allowed to transition between one state to another state. Uh, so it essentially sets up a mapping to say, if I'm in a pending state... I should only be able to transfer transfer or sorry transition to either a failure state or a in progress state, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm in an in progress state, I should either be able to transition to a success, a failure or a expired state. And if I'm in, if I'm in an expired state, that's a final state. If I'm in a finalized state, that's a uh, or sorry, if I'm in a success state, that's a final state and if I'm in a failure state, that's a final state. So it maps out here are the acceptable routes by which you can progress through these different states. And then it protects it. 
So that way you can trust, hey, I know that if I'm in one of these states, it got there because of this state machine setting it that way, right? As long as you don't have somebody being completely rogue and operating way outside of like the boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, that's how that works. And then in addition to that, you also with a state machine as it's, you know, typically used, the changes, any changes that would happen uh, would be canonized, I suppose, inside of a transition, uh, so, you know, there's usually like a exit event, there's a enter event, uh, and then there's sort of an in-between uh, sort of deal there. So you can program what's going to happen there. You can test it in isolation uh, to make sure that that thing is going to happen. So for example, something like, I know that when I go from a pending to in progress, I'm going to have a started at timestamp. That's always just, it's just always going to happen because it's in the transition. It must happen yeah. when going from pending yeah. to in progress, the transition itself will set the started at timestamp. It's going to happen. And so you can trust that when you are, when you are showing it in the UI and you say, if I'm in a pending state, then I know for sure I have a started at timestamp. So go ahead and display that started at timestamp. You don't have to do this. If started at is present, then do, then show it. It's like, no, it will be, if it's in this pending state, it will be, or if it's in progress, it will have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it just adds some additional structure around how you get from one spot to another and what values are going to be set on that on that particular record or what side effects have taken place inside of your code base when you transition from one state to another, which is a really comforting feeling. Uh, and so, you know, the other thing that was always tr- frustrating about that too is in order to, a lot of times you'd have to query the database for all these timestamps so instead of having a state, you just would say like, well, started at means it's impending. It's error, it's in, in progress. I know that's what it means. And then a error at state means it's in an error. And then a finalized state means it's in final. And then, a, you know, whatever. Like you're, you were always yeah. looking at timestamps to determine what state am I in. But then you can't ever just query the database for grab me all the values or all the records that are in a in progress state. You couldn't do that. So it was just weird, right? And, and so anyway, this solves a lot of those issues. And um, yeah, I'm excited to yeah. talk more about it later. We're at, shame, we're at time shame, for this one. Yeah. yeah, shame that I can't can't be there this year, um, but I will look forward for the for the video. Oh, for sure. Yeah, out. absolutely. I'll send you, you'll, you know, I'll be, uh, you know, bouncing it off you before I ever get there anyway. You'll mm-hmm. be there. You'll be uh, my, you my sounding board for uh, my, my uh, pre-talk talk, if you will. Yeah. Send your, send your test recordings through. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Michael, what episode is this? 136. You know what? You're handling the outro today. Ready and go. This is episode 136 of the North Mid-South Web Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Rinder, and with me, Jake Bennett. You can find us at Michael Dorinda or at Jacob Bennett on Twitter or at North South Audio. You can find show notes at northmeetsouth.audio slash 136. And if you have any questions, comments, if you want to share your excitement for Laracon or State Machines, you can reach us on Twitter. And on that note, we'll be back, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, in two weeks. Two weeks. See you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.